So obviously, <sighs> we just went through uh, an election cycle here in central Wisconsin. Yeah. And so, yeah. Uh, if you don't mind, just sort of tell us what happened. So um, it, it, it's been, uh, it was really interesting to watch the, the election results come in um, in the city council. A little bit of a shakeup um, with um, Romy Wagner, the incumbent, losing his seat to Michael Martins in District 2. So we have a, a new representative there. Um, we will also have a new representation in District 9 just over on the west side of town, kind of near the town of Sakeem. Um, and then in District 10, where Sherry Abbott decided not to run again. So we have a couple of new faces on the Wausau City Council, which I think will be very interesting as, um, as we move forward with a couple of key projects for the city. So uh, Sherry Abbott's just chose not to run again, huh? Yeah, so she decided that she wasn't going to run again. She chose to uh, step out of it both for the city and the county. So um, totally new representation and um, for that for that west side of town that is um, along the Thomas Street corridor, but it, it's it's only partially that uh, that part of Thomas Street that is involved in um, the controversy with with the new. Um, the new section there. So, uh, but, but some of those, pro- uh, those properties would have been in that district for sure. Yeah. When I, when I heard she wasn't running, I, I just kept thinking, what a great bit of news, you know, cause <laughs> I, I just, you know, not that, not that I wish her any ill will or anything, but it seemed like, uh, she just sort of fell from one, bit of trouble to the next and really had no sense of of what was going on um not you don't want to beat up on somebody after they've left the the race but her her uh the episode with uh mary tau and the comparison to the kkk and then the Mm -hmm. non-apology apology was right amazing Mm -hmm. i just it was at that moment that i i decided to actively uh, work to to support anyone to beat her in any race. So I just <laughs> well, I, and it is interesting, certainly that Mary Tao is the one who will be representing that district now. So, um, or she uh, won by quite a few votes in that district. So she'll be she'll be representing those people now. So I think that's that's actually kind of cool. So. So then. Um, how, so on the city council of Wausau, how many new faces do we have technically? Mike Martins and who else? Uh, yeah, so we have um, Mike Martins is, is a new face. We have um, uh, John Herbst in, in District 9 because Joe Jean is not running again or decided not to run again. Uh, and then Mary Tao in District 10. So three new faces. Uh, out of 11 districts, and I think that's going to be uh, really interesting because uh, the people who are, are no longer uh, in in the city council have been critical votes in some of uh, some of the more controversial uh, projects that are happening in town. So I, I you know I'm really really interested to see if anything will change. If you know if if 
there will be any changes in policy or any changes in direction as they move forward with a couple of these projects, namely the Thomas Street project, um, of course, the issue with um, Riverside Park, and, um, and of course, there's uh, quite a bit of controversy, too, with the, with the River Life project. And do these <clears throat> shakeups, how do they follow party lines? Are they changing parties? Well, you know, these are nonpartisan uh, positions. So I, I don't know that, um, I don't know that that really plays a role. Um, mm. District nine, it's interesting. Don Herbst was kind of handpicked by Joe Jean to run. So um, I, I'm guessing that she might have some of the same uh, the same ideas and, and vote in some of the same ways, but that is really just a guess. I, I don't know. Um, it's really it's really a mystery to see what's going to happen there. And um, I, I think the next couple of months we'll really know a lot more. Because there's there's sort of a lot of big stuff to come up now, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, the city is involved in a, a, a lot of... Uh, a lot of big projects right now taking on a lot of debt. We've got um, we've got these these kid districts that are that are really um, you know uh, it's a, it's a big hot button topic in in city council right now. And uh, when we did our Q and A for uh, for each candidate, and we talked a lot about you know, what do you think what do you think the biggest issues are, and and we heard a lot about the city's debt level. And we heard a lot about the River Life project, and we heard a lot about Thomas Street. So um, those things are going to be uh, certainly talked about, and and who knows what these, you know, what the new candidates are going to do. It's it's really it's really hard to know. Um, but River Life, especially, you know, this this has been uh, you know a huge huge deal for the city and. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about okay, what are we going to do? What we you know? What should we do? Are we are we supposed to just keep staying the course and hope everything goes well, um, or do there need to be some? Uh, does there need to be some reexamination of what goes on? And I don't think that the Thomas Street saga is over either, not by a long shot. Those residents in that Thomas Street neighborhood, I I don't believe that they're going to be giving up anytime soon. Um, in their fight against what's happening in their neighborhood. They're very worried about the, the pollution levels, the dioxin levels, and especially with what's happening in Riverside Park. So I, we have certainly not heard the last of that. Can you go into Riverside Park a bit for anybody that's listening that's not familiar with it? Yeah, so um, the thing with Riverside Park, that's a, a park on the on the west side of town in that River Street neighborhood and uh, some test results came to light that showed that um, there's, there's a culvert that sits at the top of the park, kind of on the west side of the park, underneath the railroad tracks, and it dumps into the park. And uh, there were some tests done back in 2006 that showed extreme high levels of toxins in those soils beneath that culvert that discharges into Riverside Park. Now, this is at the top of a hill. So 
um, you know, the, the thinking is if, the, if there's toxins in those soils and there's, there's junk that's being discharged into Riverside Park in the top, well, you know, it rolls downhill, right? So the, it stands to reason that there is some concern about what's being dumped into that park. So um, the DNR came back with a recommendation after seeing those test results that, that you know, hey, the, the city should at least do some more testing. They should do maybe six soil borings and, and check out those, those uh, toxin levels, make sure that the soil is, um, is safe for those people who are they're playing with their dogs, they're playing with their kids, they're hiking around in that, in that neighborhood. Um, let's, let's make sure it's all right. And despite that recommendation, the city's position at this point is, um, no, we don't, we're not, we're not too concerned about it. <laughs> um, so they're not capping it off. They're not doing any more testing. And, um, and the residents in the neighborhood are, are, are pretty pissed about it. And um, they, they just really feel strongly that, that, that they're just not getting the attention they deserve. These dioxins, if you know anything at all about dioxins, I mean, they, they're cancer-causing agents. They, just, um, it's just something that you don't want to mess around with. And some of these test results, I mean, one case, the dioxin levels like 14 times the level recommended by the EPA for non-industrial property. So you see these test results and you're like, wait a minute, um, wouldn't the prudent thing be to do some more testing? And the city's response is, well, I don't think that anybody's really playing in that soil over there. And unless they're eating it, um, <laughs> uh, we're not too concerned. So you've got the city on one hand and you've got the neighborhood residents on the other hand and you kind of have the dnr in the middle of it but the dnr can't make the city do the testing for whatever reason um they can just suggest it so that's that's what's happening in that city park right now and it's uh really been a bonus contention so you're the only one really reporting on the riverside park story so my my question is how did you find that story um this has all been part of um, the, the research that's gone into the, the, the whole neighborhood's toxin levels after decades and decades of, of manufacturing in the area. There's been a long history of, um, of documented toxicity in the neighborhood soil. And I don't know if you remember, but there was a big lawsuit back in 2008. There was a class action lawsuit. 144 residents sued Walico, which is the, the current owner of the former SNE property and where all the contamination is said to come from. Uh, 144 residents sued Walico saying that the toxins that they used when they were doing this manufacturing um, migrated into the neighborhood and it made them sick. They had cancers, they had thyroid conditions, they had, uh, I mean, there was a, there's a whole host of things and, uh, and, and quite a few of them uh, died. And that lawsuit was eventually settled, but there, there are reams of 
uh, of texts and documents that that show the history of of toxins in that neighborhood um, that over the past year um, have been combing through with the help of uh, Tom Killian, who lives in the in the neighborhood and has been uh, very much an activist in in trying to get the word out about the danger to the community. So, uh, so that you know, we've been looking into that a lot, and uh, basically the stuff is this. So, Ethany did all this manufacturing, and they for years dumped all this stuff called Penta into the soil, and the Penta uh, deteriorated, but but then the byproduct of it is is these dioxins, um, the, the dioxins that are left behind in the soil, and those are basically at the top of the, the soil. So the thinking is that uh, the people in the neighborhood, so they're playing in the soil, the kids are playing, they're digging holes, and uh, they're, maybe they're gardening in, in their yards, and, and this is uh, potentially uh, a huge health concern for these folks. And um, I think it would... It, it, really hard to understate how toxic this stuff is and what a danger it could pose to the community if it gets into the groundwater. So um, that's, that's kind of the, the long and the short of it, but we've been reporting on this for almost a year now and um, really have been not getting anywhere with the city as far as um, getting that message across. Has has the city changed course at all with Thomas Street? No. No. Uh, <laughs> no. No. <laughs> um and I'm 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 just I'm gonna say that I I feel like they're digging their heels in. The more that we report on this stuff, the more they're like, Nope, nothing to see here. So That sounds like Wasa. And it's it's really frustrating, and, and I can only imagine how frustrating it is for the people who who live in that neighborhood and who spent their own money to uh, to get some independent testing done of the soil. That independent <laughs> testing showed um, showed some some dioxin levels, and 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 the neighborhood residents were like, "See, this is what we were talking about," and still they were poo pooed. You know, still, still, it was not taken seriously by the city, and and I, I, uh, I'm a little flabbergasted at that. So I don't even know what to say about it. But but no, the city has not changed course at all, um, despite a wealth of information that has been given to them. Does Wolico still own the property? Yes. Wolico still owns the property, and See, actually, they've, Wolico been, was they've been very quiet in the last ten years. Yeah, well, we go with We've talked stuff. to you a few times about this, and they're, they're rarely mentioned. It's always the city or the, the area residents, but where where's their stance on the whole thing? Well, well, Lico is actually owned by Century Insurance, so they're a subsidiary mm-hmm. of Century Insurance. Um, Century has, uh, has remained pretty quiet about this, but um, the thing is, unless, unless these... Um, Soil samples have kind of a fingerprinting analysis done to them, and they they can't. Okay, common sense tells you 
you know where those dioxins came from. But until testing is done that fingerprints it and shows exactly the, the chemical makeup that matches the soil samples from the legal property, they're kind of standing back and saying, well, we don't know that it came right. from here. I mean, even some of the communication from the city has, has, has been like, well, um, you know, dioxins occur naturally in the soil. Well, sure they do, but not. <laughs> but in this case, we know where those dioxins came from. Come on, um, it, it's it's clear. There's been a clear pattern of it over the years, and and I think I gotta say, I think these residents have have some some legal recourse if they choose to go that route. We've all seen the John Travolta movie. Oh, that's right. That's right. I forgot about that. That's right. We we need him and uh, Tony Shalhoub and, and uh, those other guys. There you go. Yeah, that's awesome. Nice reference. So yeah. Uh, so then, who? What committee does this does Thomas Street fall under? Because it seems like there's a health problem and there's a road thing. Well, it, it does seem a little bit like a half the buck kind of issue. So um, when these uh, when these tests were done in, in the Riverside Park um, area, by the way, those those test results were immediately sent to the health department. So and then the health department kind of like, well, that's not really our responsibility. It's more of a public works thing. It's more of a, pri- of, of a park department thing. And so nobody really wants to take ownership <clears throat> Of, of what's going on here. But I do think that at some point there has to be a recognition that this is a public health issue. Okay. So then um, who's who's the head? So it's in a park, and the DNR sent the results to somebody, but it obviously ends up in the hands of the, the head of the parks department. Who's the head of the parks department? Well, the, the head of the parks department uh, is Bill Duncanson, and, of course, he's retiring this year. Sure. Um, and but also, I, if I'm not mistaken, the the, um, the health department also said it's, it's a public works thing. It's just something that has to be in the hands of public works. So the person who's really been behind the city's answer to what's going on here has been the director of public works. So uh, Eric Lindman has been the one to comment on on all of this at this point. And he really didn't and, do, and he didn't do himself any favors in the last story you wrote about this, did he? Uh, no, he, he really didn't. And I, I gave him a couple of opportunities. I mean, first I was like, all right, so, you know, what do you, what do you know about this culvert? Um, and he came back and said, well, look, um, the stormwater ponds that were constructed, retain and carry the water to stormwater lines, blah, blah, blah. So that does, that means the culvert doesn't even take any runoff. So basically he was saying that the culvert was empty, that there was nothing coming out of it. So my uh, so I traipsed through there in the snow with my camera um, a couple of weeks ago and took a picture of, of the culvert, and you can clearly see the discharge that was going into the Riverside Park from the culvert. So, um, 
then went back to him and said, okay, now that you see this, now what do you think? Uh, do you think maybe there's some, you know, uh, issue here? Are you, you going to do anything about it? And he came back and said, uh, no. At this time, the city has no plans of doing anything. Um, we don't have any plans to complete additional testing. <laughs> um and and then he went he went so far as to say the city would only perform testing if they were required by a project or by the DNR. Um, and this is actually the same thing that happened on the Thomas Street project. So the Thomas Street um, project was narrowly passed, and and at that time, Mr. Lindman had had spoken to the, the council and said, uh, "Hey, the DNR is not." Uh, you know, isn't making us do any testing. So, um, you know, it, they they think it's okay, so we should go ahead. You know, the actual email from the DNR basically said, we can't make you do any testing. <laughs> uh, but the email did not say, we don't think you should do any testing. And there's a big leap there. There's a big difference. So then, so we've talked about this one for a while. So let's pivot a little bit to Marathon County Board. All right, let's let's talk about the Marathon County Board because uh, boy, they had uh, uh, kind of interesting what happened there. A um, couple of of young women um, were elected to new positions, um, and. Uh, let me pull up my election results here. Um, let's see. Yes, quite a few new uh, new faces in in the Marathon County Board. Um, of course, uh, Romy Wagner, who was defeated for his city council seat, uh, actually defeated the incumbent Jim Cecil. So he'll be pivoting from the city council to uh, to the Marathon County Board. Uh, Jack Jack Hugendijk, uh, the incumbent, lost to Jeff Johnson. Bye, Felicia. Just, so <laughs> <laughs> I know how much you like him. Um, and yeah, a couple of couple of new uh, young women: Ashley Lang in District Nine, and Allison Leahy in District Eleven, um, who beat the incumbent. Um, that was that was really uh, that was really. That was really pretty cool to see. I mean, just to see young women who are in their twenties who were like, "Hey, I, I think it's time for me to get involved in government," and who, um, who are really stepping forward and, and doing that. I think that's great to see. Well, that's why I asked about party lines earlier because didn't a twenty-five-year-old beat the incumbent in the Merrill? You're the goddamn Merrill right. Race? One did, yes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so it just seems like there's there's some forgive the cliche but the winds of change you know it seems like there's something that's happening yeah it I, does feel that way yeah I'm, don't you so, think yeah so i know derek from merrill and uh we'll just say he's on my team politically you know and uh and i'm a democrat so uh <clears throat> yeah he he decided and i and i honestly don't know uh I know, I know. I was one of the people who tried to talk him out of it. Uh, the the one time he asked me about it, um, but the idea that a twenty five year old is the mayor of such 
an incredibly damaged city as as Merrill is 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 a fascinating sort of thing because it it will you know <clears throat> just to use a millennial style word there's no way Derek won't be a disruptive force you know because right. he just simply doesn't know anybody you know he's 25 you don't you don't get to know everybody by the time you're 25 so it'll be interesting right. yeah so and Stevens Point years ago how old was that guy um uh, I think you're thinking about Wasn't... Wisconsin Rapids the kid no no, no Marshfield Stevens Craig, uh, the Bruin kid in Marshfield, won his seat in his twenties, and uh, and I and has held it for like ten years. Um, yeah, Stevens Point had a young man run a while ago, and I don't remember. Yeah, I mean it's been a few years, but I, re- I, I mean, remember just, when. Uh, it's exciting uh, to see. What Andy Benedetto's kid? Uh, oh shit. Anyway, you're Andy, in a lot of trouble right now. Yeah, I know. Andy Benedetto's child, <laughs> whose name I forget right now, and he's a buddy. Uh, he ran for sheriff in Dane County about ten years ago, and he was about twenty-four years old and had no law law enforcement experience. So, really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, exactly. But it was you know it was one of those things where it's Dane County and shit, anything can happen. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So then you know well, just go ahead. Well, I mean, back to your party line thing, you know, it, it is interesting because when you look at the, the Board of Supervisors, and, and in my Q&As for the Board of Supervisors, I did ask their political affiliation. And I would have asked that of the city guys, but I had a um, I had my South Metro guy do the city council Q&As, and he didn't ask that question. So, but, the, but when you look at the people who were newly elected to the board, um, Jeff Johnson, definitely a Democrat. Uh, Ashley Lang, Allison Leahy, definitely Democrat. Um, and, uh, and then, uh, uh, Katie Rosenberg, of course, reelected by a lot. And, uh, her opponent was strongly supported by the Republican party. So, yeah, it is interesting to see that, and I I think when you when you look at the state too, what happened with the Supreme Court justice race, I I think that um, uh, yeah, I I feel like there's change happening here and a definite shift in the wind. Yeah, I I you know, I'm glad obviously to see Jack not Jack Hugendick be Dyke Hugendick, whatever his name is not be in a position to affect public policy because it's important to, you know, it's my podcast. So I'm going to, I get to say shit like that I want. Um, So Jack moved here from Michigan after a long career as a professional Republican to take the job at a crisis pregnancy center, which are horrific for women and everyone else. And, uh, and then he took a job or he stayed on as the executive director of hope pregnancy center and he is also the paid staffer for Americans for Prosperity, which is the business arm of the Tea Party. Bye, Felicia. They're still a, they're still a thing, huh? Oh God, yeah. They're they're a well paid, well funded, never ending sort of thing. So yes, and and Jack is their man here in town. Mm-hmm. And his voting record sort of spo- you know speaks to that. But anyway, so so then. Um, because I know you're in a hotel and so we don't want to take up your whole night. Um, so as, as you, as you look ahead, Shireen, 
what are the sort of big st- i mean we obviously thomas street is still a thing and uh the mall the mall is still a thing and and, and these, yeah. these these existing pieces that you've already done are you know are obvious i mean you're the only one you broke that you you know you've broke a bunch of stories and all the other media outlets have followed you um so my my question is what are the big stories coming up for the big for summer or are we just going to have a cool easy summer and just spend our time at the woodchucks games <laughs> oh if only we could just spend our time at the woodchucks games wouldn't that be nice but uh you know i i think that the biggest emerging story right now is going to be what's happening at the riverfront um I think there are some interesting things happening there behind the scenes. Um, the, the financing for for the River Life Project and what happens. Um, I think we're going to know a whole lot more in the next couple of weeks. And I think it's going to be really interesting to, to see what happens with the mall, too. You know, keep, keep in mind, though, we don't own the mall. So we don't have, we don't have a say, really, in what happens. Well, we sort of do. Really, another entity owns them all. So as many great ideas as, as we might have for it, uh, the bottom line is we don't own that, those buildings. So we've got to wait and see what happens with that. But, no, I think, I think that's going to be um, – I think that the, that the riverfront is going to be the big story um, coming into the next couple of months. And I think we've only, only just uh, scratched the surface of that. So. Hey, uh, Shireen, I haven't heard much about Wasa Area events lately. Who took over? Uh, so I'm sorry to laugh at you, but... <laughs> well, thank you. Um, I... No, because... The last I... time you're going to be on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, it has been on my to-do list for the last, I don't know how many... Um, how many months now to walk down to um, the WASA events office and introduce myself to the new director. And I have not done that. And I, I feel terrible about having done that. Um, I've heard great things about her. Sarah, is it Hujar? I, I don't know how to pronounce her last name, which is another bet terrible thing, but um She's making some changes there too, and I think I think that um, that's pretty cool. And in fact, um, you know, the the concerts on the square have historically been a, um, a partnership with the city pages. And Sammy um, Sammy has always chosen the bands for that, and um, Sammy's not going to be choosing the bands for that this year. That's going to be uh, oh, really. Yeah, so uh, Wausau events will be choosing the band for that this wow. year. So I think you might see some um, some changes. Um, Somebody's and, and gotten in over her head. Wow, that that that's like have that. Yeah, I mean, after all these years. I mean, what what's the, John Altenberg going to do in the summer then? <laughs> <laughs> He's He'll he's always got his Chris he's always got his Christmas show. Right. Yeah. Oh. Well, maybe we can have a uh, somebody other than that um, horrible reggae band that I don't like. 
Oh. Or, or, this, right. or another appearance by the Spicy Thai Band. Oh, yeah. 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 So, I, yeah. Have, having worked in local music, I just, I feel like I'm twitching and, and getting hives just talking about it, you know, but. <laughs> Yeah, but, but then again to be to be fair my one of my favorite bands sunspot played the 400 tammy let me pick a band once and uh and never again because i think my my the band that i picked was too much fun you know and so yeah she she decided afterwards she told me we just want a band that's uh less performancey and a little bit more in the background what? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> wait, wait, what? Okay, huh? it doesn't so, make any sense at all. No, no. So the like, if it, that's because she didn't know any of the words to the right, songs, right? So the deal was, uh, <laughs> like, Sunspot is 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 a rock band, a three piece rock band from Madison, and they they have all sorts of shtick. They're like in the crowd, they're running around, they're doing a, it's a full on performance, and if you compare it to it's. So t- it's it's a hot performance like there's energy and engagement and there's all of that sort of stuff versus, you know, with with nothing but love in my heart for my friend John Altenberg. John's a little bit cooler and, you know, you sort of you know what you're going to get. You know, you know, there aren't that many highs and there aren't that many lows and, you know, you don't really there's nothing's really going to you can ignore John and just let him play and sit at Jeffrey Hughes's long buffet table and eat for days. Uh, he probably comes back to this. Yes, exactly. He Do, probably comes back to the area for the summers just to put up that long buffet table. God. I, he might. Oh, he might. That fucking know. thing. Oh my God. Just oh, the man. amount of, the amount of shit like when, uh, like during the first generation of commenting on the Wasa Daily Herald, when they had like a forum uh-huh. sort of thing, the amount of yeah. shit that people spewed at literally at Jeff for being being the symbol of downtown elitism. Oh, <laughs> you know, really? and then and then Jeff, because Jeff wasn't reading it or anything like that, and then he, if you remember, he threw he threw a white party. On the four hundred. Oh, yes, I remember the right, white part. Where yes. we, because no. I, it was one of the few things I overcame my general social anxiety to do, and I went <laughs> and like, because all I, the like, I remember seeing Puff Daddy had a white party, and I know that's where Jeff got the idea, and so I'm uh-huh. like, I have to go. I got invited. I, I want to. I'll buy some white clothes and I'll go to this. And it was, yeah, it was just absurd. It was absurd, <laughs> you know. But you know, we also there were like. He set up like three tables on the stage, and we all wore white, and it just seemed weird and and kind of awesome at the same time, you know. So, but yeah, hey, there's wrong with that, Shireen. Yeah, yeah. Can we can can you and I just take a retrospective minute? Yeah. To envision Dino in all white. Yeah. Socializing. Yep. Nope. With strangers. Well, with strangers, including including the white beard. Dressed in all white. Yep. That's right. Oh my god. Yes. That is a surreal. <laughs> okay, neither neither of you will exactly. be on the podcast ever again. So <laughs> I I think I own the domain. You guys are all screwed. You're screwed. Oh great. <laughs> all right. So so aside so Yeah, big, I think it's gonna be really cool to see what happens with the the four hundred block concerts 
now. I mean, you know, probably have some fresh music and we'll see what happens with that. So kind of cool, I think. All right, cool. So, hey, uh, thanks for being on the podcast, Shireen. Well, thanks for having me. Um, um, I hope I didn't sound too much like I was in a tin can. No, suddenly you sound really quite better now. Really? Yeah, I don't know why, so. Huh. Okay. Well, That's bizarre. Huh. Tra- travel safe getting home. She's in the lobby on the way to New York City. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, my trip here was ridiculous. It was, like, absolutely ridiculous. I got, I, I got to Detroit, and um, and they ended up overbooking the flight, and they were taking volunteers, and I ended up taking a $300, like, yep. bonus to wait four hours in the airport for the next plane. So yeah. I did that. And then, um, and then it was like the flight from hell getting here. Really? So, yeah. So I'm going to have a glass of wine and, and go to bed. Nice. Good for you. Nice. All right. Well, thanks for doing this. Thanks for having me. Series.